If you met someone who had a splinter in their foot, you see them limping around, they are in pain, and you had tweezers in your back pocket, would you make an offer to help? Of course you would. Your offer to do business together is no different. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real, simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Hello again. We are working through our sales series based off a series of questions asked to us, both from clients and listeners, on how to handle sales. Many of these are consultants. They love their craft. They're experts in their field, but they state they do not like sales or even hate sales. And that's the worst part of their business. But you see the people that are saying these things, they're unbelievably talented. These are people that love doing what they're doing. They're doing lots of business because they're good at it. They help people. Their expertise makes lives better. So not selling, not offering their services would be really unfortunate. And I'm talking about people that are across the spectrum, a PR firm, a marriage counselor, a leadership consultant, a bank auditor, a lawyer, a composer. I've watched so many people struggle with this side of the business or just hate doing it, period. Now, if you are a subject matter expert, a consultant, a coach, and you are uncomfortable with sales, love talking about your expertise, but hate talking about the business of your business, I created this series for you. Because I believe in what you're doing. I know how important it is. I know how much you care about the people that you work with and you want to see them succeed. And it would be a damn shame for you not to do more of that in the marketplace and get paid really well for it. So first, let's recap on some of what we covered already in uh, the first part of the series. So we start with the basics of sales, sales 101, what a prospect is, the person you want to sell a product to, the product, the thing that you want to sell, your elevator pitch and offer, the ways that you talk about your business and the product, and ultimately the way you make the offer to purchase it. In part two, we went more in depth in elevator pitch, what they are, how to do one based off your industry, the most important things to include in your elevator pitch. Above all, get really comfortable saying the words out loud. If your voice is still shaking, you haven't said it nearly enough. If you didn't catch those last two episodes, go back and listen to part one and part two. I'm going to kick today off with expanding on a concept we first addressed in part two, which is your avatar. In Sales 102, I broke down what your avatar is, your ideal client, and how you should know the demographics and psychographics of your avatar. You should know where they live, if they are a specific gender, are they usually married in their 40s, empty nester, East Coast, Western Europe, outskirts of Sydney. Know their demographics, which will help you identify them quickly. 
Also, just as important, if not more important, know their psychographics. What do they want? What really matters to them? Do, do they need to be better at something? Do they want their health to be better because their, their father died young and they want to see their kids graduate from college? Do they want more time in their schedule so they can actually be in the life they are providing for? Is it pain them that they missed all their kids' hockey games? And really, all their business analyst work is focused on how do I get out on time so I can see those things? Like, know what matters to these people. Are they the nearing the end of their career and legacy really matters? They want to make a big difference and know, hey, the work that I've done really changed some lives. You should know your avatar very well, psychographics and demographic. But here is the part we needed to expand on from last time. Your anti-avatar. Just like your avatar, you're going to have an anti-avatar, the people you don't want to help. Notice I said want, I didn't say can't help. You may be able to help these people, but you may not want to help these people. You may decide not to spend your precious time with them. So, okay, you've got your avatar, right? But, but what represents the opposite of that? You should always know what your anti-avatar is so you can quickly recognize them and then move on. So yes, you know your avatar and you go, oh, that's my person. But also you should know some things that it's like, oh, my anti-avatar tends to have this idea, say these kinds of things. You should know they should be red flags, kind of like dating red flags. It's like business dating. Like you should see those red flags and go, oh, what they just said, that's stuff that my anti-avatar says. They're not a fit for me. So here's where I'm going to get super transparent with you, Pivoter, as we talk through this. So you know, we have the Pivot Me Academy and I love our mastermind group there. We are so particular about who we let into the mastermind. There is a very specific kind of person that is in there. Now they don't look the same. They aren't in the same industry. They don't do the same work. They don't, you know, communicate necessarily the same way, but there is a very strong core, like a thread between all of them. We handpicked our academy so that they're filled with people specifically that are focused on getting better and, this part is key for us, and helping their teammates get better because you get to know each other real well in the mastermind. You know, they have an internal locus of control, meaning that they believe there's great power in them over their results, over their success, over the direction of their lives. They don't need to know how to get to the next level of success, but they do need to believe that they are the strongest influencers in their own life. If they believe the power lies outside of them, within their industry, within the marketplace, within inflation, the head of state, their spouse, if they put all that power in someone else's hands, then they ain't a fit for us. So if we're talking about the opposite of those, so, okay, so let's just see if we had, we had like a, a chart and we've got our avatar and our anti-avatar. So our anti-avatar at Pivot Me looks like this, self-serving. It's one of the quickest ways for my team to identify, mm, you're not a good fit for us. Our anti-avatar also blames other people for their results or the lack of their results. They blame the economy, the spouse, the business partners, employees. If they believe it's all their fault over there, they have an external locus of control. They think someone other than them is pulling the strings in their life or business. That means I can't help them as much as I'd like to. Not a fit. Another, uh, another trait of our anti-avatar, the person who's arrogant, they don't take instruction well. Good coaching requires a good student. A person, you know, could have the best person advising them. They could they could hire, you know, Michael Phelps swim coach. But if they refuse to get in the water, the magic ain't going to happen. 
if the prospect is arrogant, if they feel like they already know the best way and they don't take coaching well, they're also not a fit for us. Now, as I say this, I got to tell you what's funny about this. So the version of April who's telling you this now is like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Of course, because this is what I do. But let me tell you something. April 10 years ago would be scoffing at what I'm saying today because I primarily worked with arrogant people, many of which blamed others for their misfortune. Now, not all of them, but it was many of them. 10 years ago, I did not believe I could build an entire business. Well, probably more like five or six years ago, I still didn't believe that I could build an entire business based off of people that I just liked working with, like people that really lit me up. But you can, and I did. I sit here today with elite clients that I love, that I've been working with for years. And I, I, you know, send Christmas cards. I know the schools that their kids are getting accepted into. I sometimes seem karaoke with them in Nashville or maybe next to San Francisco. These people are amazing and I love working with them. But the old me wouldn't have believed you could scale a business entirely off of people I really liked working with. Don't make old me mistakes. I've been there, done that. The t-shirt didn't fit right. So I outlined a new avatar and I outlined my anti-avatar. Now you might wonder how much does this really dictate who you work with? This, this avatar and anti-avatar, how, how much does it really matter? It's everything. All my team knows exactly who our avatar is and who they are not, which brings me to my second point on avatars. Once you have this information dialed in, communicated across the board. Everybody in your team should know this. They should all know immediately who is and is not your ideal client. And, and don't budge on that stuff. Like sometimes they're like, all right, maybe they're not our primary audience. Maybe they're our, our secondary audience, which we covered in a previous sales podcast. But if they're too far outside your avatar, not only are they not a good fit for you and your team, but you won't serve them in the same way that you can serve your avatar. We even have avatar language in our prospecting folders, in our sales folder. We've been so specific as to say, if you hear a prospect say X, Y, and Z, they are not our people. We are that specific. I want you to have that level of specificity. Let's move on past the avatar. So enough of the avatar, your ideal client. It's clear. You're working on your anti-avatar list. It always helps to think of other clients that maybe you didn't enjoy working with anymore. And you're like, ah, uh, there was kind of like a theme with them. Make your anti-avatar list. Do not believe that there's not enough business out there. There is. Just get real specific. All right. So we're moving past. Let's talk about making an offer and the mistakes I've seen many, many times. All right. So making an offer. The very first mistake I see all the time is forgetting to make the offer. Like just never bringing it into the conversation. Well, I didn't really see the right time or it just didn't feel like the right time. And it's really just that we're uncomfortable making the offer, turning it from a conversation into a transaction potentially. And so we just avoid that piece. Here is what many consultants and coaches do instead. So instead of asking for the business, instead of saying, well, I think it makes sense for us to work together. Let me tell you what that would look like. Instead of doing that, what so many of us do is we become encyclopedias of the information. We know all the facts and figures, a wealth of information, a real Wikipedia page. They could be talking SaaS, health coaching, business consulting, PR. It doesn't like, it's clear that they know their stuff very well. 
That's obvious. However, they skip the critical piece of making the offer to the prospect, like actually asking for the business. You see, these people will tell me about the great conversation they had with the prospect and, oh, we talked about it. Man, it was just so great. And I solved their problem. I provided them with so much information and I'm, I'm, I'm nodding along. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep talking, keep talking. And then I said, well, what are the next steps? Crickets. The crickets here, other crickets. They don't, they don't set up next steps. They didn't talk about how to move the ball down the field. And that is critical. Why? Because that's, a lot of people see it as the hardest part. Oh, asking to do business together, discussing pricing. It's all just so dirty. No, it is not. If you can legitimately solve someone's problem, then you should make an offer to them, ask for the business, outline the next steps. But instead, what usually happens is we talk and we bond and we add value and then we add some more value. And then just a cherry on top of more value onto that, I have added so much value. We showed them our Wikipedia page. Look at all the things I know. Look at me go. And we think, well, man, if I've added this much value, surely they will just want to throw them $100 bills in my direction. Surely they will be in this wild frenzy of value that I brought them to, reaching for their checkbooks, begging you to take their money. It doesn't work like that. Prospects, in those circumstances, they need to be led. They are just focused on their own problem, their own pain point. They aren't focused on you, on your business, and certainly not how to pay you for your expertise. That's nothing wrong with the prospect. It's just most people are operating from their own pain points, not necessarily being aware of yours as the salesperson. You have got to get out of your own head and make the offer to them. Yes, solve their problems. Yes, provide awesome solutions in the sales conversation. But if you think you can provide them with so much information that a prospect will advance the sale for you, let me tell you, your sales numbers will be too low. Sure, you're getting to stay inside your comfort zone, but you are also not helping nearly as many people as you can. Like if you care about impact, which spoiler alert, our avatars care about impact. So I'm assuming you do as well. If you care about impact, then not making the sales offer, not advancing the sales conversation means you're helping less people. You aren't having nearly as massive of an impact as you could. And by God, you got to get some no's to earn the yeses. I've got to move through no's so that I can earn the yeses. It won't all be yeses. The no's are data points that you need to get better. Not necessarily just for your skin to thicken up. It's not like you just need, you know, a couple of punches on the face to like, oh, well, look, your, your jaw got stronger. No, those are data points. So many of us want to hide. We want to hide from making the offers, put it on our landing page, put it on our website instead. Are sales down? Well, let me just ask the most obvious question. How many conversations are you having? And more importantly, how many offers are you making? And when you make an offer and someone says, no, thank you, it's not personal, unless it is. If it's personal, then course correct. If you make an, so let's just talk about that. Let's say when it actually is, someone says something and you're like, oh, I need to take action on that. Someone might say, hey, you know, you make an offer and then you ask, you know, hey, let's, let's do business together. And someone says, you know, I hear everything you're saying, but I'm not entirely sure why I'd even work with you. I can't see what value you'd bring to my business. 
That is gold. What they just gave you was gold. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're a piece of shit and you should go back to your old accounting job. It means, huh, something in how I said my offer didn't convey the payoff of working with me. Let me tweak it. Let me run it by a friend. See what needs to change. It is not personal. It is has nothing to do with your worthiness as a consultant. It just means that you did not include language that would convey the value you'd bring to your prospect. Regardless, when you are talking to a prospect, first understand their pain point, then add value, and then outline a clear path of how they could get from where they are now to where they want to be. What we call on the inside the the A to B journey. You are now here and you'd want to be there. You're now at this weight and you want to be at that weight. Your sales are at this number and you want to get to this number. Be able to articulate the A to B journey for your prospects, but always make the offer. It could be something as simple as, Okay. So what I've heard today is that you've been doing a lot of outreach in the roofing market, but you haven't seen a lot of engagement. Well, that's what I do. I help businesses just like yours automate that process so that, don't forget that part, so that they can save money, time, make better use of their staff, et cetera, et cetera. Even if your offer is simply Well, based off of what we discussed today, I think we should do work together. If it's all right, can I tell you what that looked like? Pause, wait for the green light, wait for permission. And then they nod, they say yes. Give them the next steps, guide them. They're just thinking about their pain point. They're thinking about this splinter that's stuck in their foot and it's causing them pain and they're limping around. You are the one with the tweezers. Don't make your prospect ask for the tweezers. Like, please tell me how I can do business with you. No, 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 no. They're focused on the pain in their foot. Get them out. Help your prospect. Hey, Pivoter, I see you taking notes. I see you applying things into your business and life. Great work. But what if you could do it on a Zoom call with me? Well, here is your invite. I am hosting a free live event on Zoom where I get to know you, your challenges, and help you work through them as we accelerate your growth together. This is a free virtual event, and I'd love for you to join. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash event and save your spot now. We'll keep these small. They will fill up. I'd love for you to be there. Again, it's pivot-me.com backslash event. We'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll see you there. Next topic that we're going to address in this episode, stop your discounting. Stop it. Stop discounting. I will work with a client. We will land on a pricing sheet. So I'm working with a client, right? And they're, they've got this, they've got their offer. They've got their pricing sheet. They're, they're amazing at what they do. Great. We, we picked their pricing model. We got it all dialed in. I always recommend a pricing sheet. Um, we land on it. It's good. It's solid. Well thought out. But the consultant is kind of squirming about the pricing. Meh. Will people have enough money? Yes. Yes, they will. Will people pay this price? Yes. Yes, they will. Because it's not about the price. It's about the value you bring to them. Now, as much as I would love to walk through a big old pricing exercise here, it's really something I need to sit down and walk through. And also, you know, if we dug into the difference between price and value, they are radically different, but it's for a larger discussion. But here's what I need to tell you today. Don't land on your pricing sheet and then discount it when you get in front of the prospects. And to be clear, we have all done this, myself included. 
I was working with a small business owner out of the UK recently. And he told me we, we settled on the price and he had it in his head and he goes, he goes, I've got it. I know the pricing we agreed on, but April, the second I'm in the room with the prospect, I do this thing. I call it spontaneous discounting. It just pops out of my mouth. And I think where the hell did that come from? Like we, April and I agreed on this price. I was going to say this price. I'm in front of the prospect. I'm thinking of the price. And then my mouth opens and different words leave my mouth. Not only would he discount the price, but he'd also spontaneously toss in bonuses, provide some additional reporting and metrics that will take my team hours to compile. Like he adds on more to it. He just adds even more value at a lesser price. He walks out of the meeting at a lower price point and a higher commitment than what he what he agreed upon, what he set out to offer the prospect. I hope you're both laughing and shaking your head because this, what he went through is the most relatable thing ever if you've ever had to make sales pitches. So I have him print out his pricing sheet. He tapes it to his laptop. Even if he needs to include it in written presentations that he's done for his prospect, make it so he cannot spontaneously discount. Pretend like this is printed pricing. So I'm assuming you've already got pricing for your services, your product. So pretend like it's printed price in your company's catalog. You cannot deviate from it. Your boss will be pissed if you do. I actually had a client out of Sydney one time and I, I, he did this too. He did spontaneous discounting though. I didn't have that great name for it. So for 60 days, I took over as CEO of his business and I was not approving any discounts. Access denied. Once he started to sort of trick his brain into thinking that he was working for someone else's company, he stopped discounting. The truth is, it's not a pricing issue. It's a money block for him. And I have seen many clients transition out of corporate roles where they were in sales roles, did amazing jobs. They could be the top salesperson in their company, and yet they struggled to sell for their own company in the same way that they sold for someone else's. Man, you got to be your own biggest fan. So if you're in that position right now, I know there's a couple of you that I'm thinking of right now. I, I, I see both of you in my head right now. If you're listening to this, you've been successful salespeople in a corporate role. But then when you tried to sell for your own business, it became hard. It's not that you don't add value. It's something else. And you have got to teach yourself to be your own biggest fan, even if you have to pretend that that corporate role is who owns this business. So let's recap on this. If, you have, if you're in that position and you have questions about that, reach out. I'm happy to, happy to talk with you about it, but let's recap on this. So today as part of our sales series, we expanded upon avatars and anti-avatars and how to communicate that profile to your team. They will help shape just about everything you do on the sales and marketing side. We talked about locking in your pricing sheet and then not doing any spontaneous discounting. Print your pricing sheet, tape it on your laptop, include it in your presentation if you need to. I ended up working with the counselor and I, I made her, this is not ideal, but but you know, desperate times, desperate measures. I would have her email over the proposal first because the prospects that she got were already pretty sold on her. And I was like, no, 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 you, we, we've got to stop this. And eventually it was just included in her proposal. The pricing was in there. They got it before. It wasn't ideal, but it was better than all the pro bono work that she kept doing that would eventually put her out of business. Pro bono's good, all pro bono's bad unless you're independently wealthy. 
So today we also covered making an offer to do business together. There are so many people out there that you would love to do business with and they have right now a splinter in their foot. You got the tweezers in your back pocket. Go get it out. Don't wait for people to ask for your tweezers. Tell them how to do business with you. Guide them. They're focused on the pain in their foot. Say, here's what makes sense. Let's work together. Here's what I'd like to do next. Here's the next steps and work. Would you like to engage with me? Because I think we could work well together. Here's what that would look like. Dot, dot, dot. Language is important, yes, but outlining next steps is everything. Is it work? Yeah, it's work. But people need the kind of work that you do. Go make some offers. See you next week. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.